where we talk about all the crazy jobs we do to make the cash we need to pursue our artistic dreams. And to get out of town and get that post-vax life popping. We're talking about the men in brown biz and the over-the-counter connection. And don't forget the old background action gig. We are your hosts, Jamie Parker Stickle. And Jason Bieber. And on this episode, we are talking to a guy who's crept up through the credits of your favorite shows until, bam, he's that dude you keep seeing in everything. And you have been seeing him in everything. He's a writer and a producer on the NBC hit show, Keenan, a writer and cameo artist on the world's best cop show, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, and perhaps most notably, he stars as Chauncey in Rob Riggle's Ski Master Academy. We are so excited to welcome him to the show. So regardless of what public or private space you are in while listening, please stand up and give a loud round of applause for the super duper funny Carl Tart! Yeah! Carl Tart, Carl Tart, Carl Tart, Carl Tart. You know who did who does that? Um, Paul F. Tompkins does that when he sees me. That you it's so funny. So one day, my grandma needed me to set up her new smart TV, and my family back home in Mississippi don't really like watch me on stuff unless I like tell them and I have to call them and tell them exactly like how to use their remote control to turn on, even though they watch TV all day. And so I'm setting up a smart TV and we get it set up. I put the Wi-Fi in everything and I see if they have crackle on it. Mm -hmm. And I, I said, you know, I'm a surprise my grandma and I'm going to show her Rob Riggle ski master Academy. Nobody uh-huh. has seen this thing. I said, I'm going to surprise her. I'm going to show her. And so we're watching it. And I pop up in the credits and she's just watching it. And she got her glasses on the tip of her nose and she's watching it. And she's like, what is this? And I'm like, it's a, it's a TV show. Oh, I don't like it. And I'm like, like Momo, that's what I call her. I call her Momo. I'm like, Momo, it's, it's me. You don't see me. Oh, that is you. Like, she didn't even recognize me. That's hilarious. That That is actually the same feedback I get from my mother. Not everything I've ever been in, but everything I've ever been in that Bennett Weber wrote. <laughs> <laughs> you guys didn't meet through Bennett Weber, though, right? No, we met through Second City. Yeah. Yeah, through Second Such City. Such a small... This, Hollywood is so small. As long as you stay here... You should know everybody. If you don't, then you didn't stay long enough. You know, you left, you came back, you did something else. Otherwise, like everybody knows everybody. Or you're one degree from someone. Yeah. It's like a, it's like uh, everyone's favorite bar. Yeah. It's very small. It's very small. Hollywood. Everybody's favorite bar. <laughs> um, it's so funny that your grandma didn't recognize you. I actually send stuff to my parents that are like, you know, I, I send them like my book to read or my screenplay to read. And they're like, you know, did you read it? What? That screenplay I wrote that almost sold. Did you read it? Which one? The only one I ever sent <laughs> you to read that almost, did you read? I think it's in the bathroom somewhere, but no, we haven't read it. And that was like 10 <laughs> years ago, man. 
they they my parents are very supportive but they're like jason's brother we'll wait for it to come on the tv and then we'll watch yeah yeah oh, okay and then they don't watch. Then they, they don't, don't watch. watch. Yeah. Then they then their smart TV doesn't work, or they don't know how to get Crackle. Right. Or... Didn't yeah. we get we got my parents Roku, and they just don't use it because. Yeah. Why? And then they're like, "Well, we don't know how to use the Roku, and do we have to pay for things? Can you pay for it? Like, like, how do we sign it up? Do y'all notice that? Do y'all notice like back home people like don't have Netflix and stuff? Yes. Oh, my mom. I set up a Fire TV in her house. Put all my accounts on it. She's got everything. Watch, it's not not nary a channel. Yeah. She we actually share a Hulu account with her. Mm -hmm. So I see her name, and you can you know. So I go and check to see what she's watching because I spy on my mother-in-law, um, <laughs> and she doesn't watch anything though. Yeah, it's never real updates. boring. It never updates for the cry. <laughs> but that's how we're, we're. I mean, we could talk about family. This could be a family show, but why would it be? Because I got some things I want to know. Sure, we'll circle back to family along we're, the way. I'm sure we're going to circle back. But, um, oh. Yeah, I, I I think that how we get into this, how we get into this is, you know, obviously you're doing great. We 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 came up together at Second City, um, you know, not doing shit. Uh, but since then things have been going great for you and, um, and that's great, but we don't care. We're more interested in, in when things weren't happening. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we love the success, but while you were hustling, I want to know what it's like to work in a brown suit, in a brown, in a brown suit. Okay. So I did not get a chance to wear the suit what? or the truck. You didn't drive didn't the work. truck? No, I was a preloader. You were a preloader. That's where you, you start do, at. And do they have like a weight test? Like you act, is there like some sort of physical test at UPS where you have to be able to lift a certain amount of weight? Uh, I think they asked if I was comfortable doing it, but they didn't really give me a physical test when I first started there. But I started there and yeah. like... Uh, Thanksgiving time when the when the rush was first happening, oh, so everybody was getting there, and uh, I was too slow. And the manager would come out, and she was like this mean lady, and she would come out and like mm -hmm. speed up my belt, like mm -hmm. the belt that I was working on. She would speed it up so I would like find my packages faster. And I'm like, this doesn't help me. I've been working here three days, and she's like, well, it's only gonna get harder <laughs> from here. So you need to learn how to do it. And so. I I can't I, like I'm 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 trying my best to find the packages that go on my truck. She gave me three trucks that I'm finding packages for, and I'm like running, and everybody else is just kind of like doing it because they've been doing it for years. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is truck three, oh, this is truck nine, oh, this is truck twenty-seven, and I'm like running around, and I work. I lasted two weeks. Two Dude. two weeks yeah. is a solid run. Dude. The hours were terrible. The hours were terrible. I thought that I, I was like, because I was working at uh, at UCLA at the same time, and one of my coworkers at UCLA got me the job. And so I was like, cool, man, I'll be able to do a lot, because I was really, really desperately trying to get a car. I didn't have a car at that time. And I was taking classes at Second City, so I was like having to take the bus everywhere, like take the oh, bus dude. up to, to UCLA. And then when I would get off UCLA, I would take the Sunset bus over to Hollywood to like watch shows and you know that's like half like, your day the bus it was a full day it was all it was it was all damn day yeah and then I was the UCL the the UPS hours were like 1 a.m. to 9 a.m. oh, oh my God. 1 to 2 yeah so you slept so, on the bus so yeah which is I hate doing that but well, I like couldn't fight sleep but let's 
let's talk about how rude that is. How rude, because I worked at Starbucks. I worked the 4.30 a.m. shift until Mm -hmm. 8.30 a.m. So you're exhausted because you're working another job the whole time, plus you're hustling with your acting. You're you're going to Second City classes, performances, things you have to do. And then you're getting like almost no sleep, you know, clocking in at like three, four, maybe five hours sleep if you're real lucky. And then you're getting up and going to the job. And I had a store manager that sort of did the same thing. He started speeding up orders and making me like pull shots, espresso shots and make drinks like super fast. And then he'd go, you're too slow. You're off. Go to the back. And I'd be like, it was like my second week. And I was like, bro, you've got to chill out. And he's like, it's coffee. Coffee doesn't chill. How long did you work there? (sighs) Oh, I think I lasted eight months. Oh, see, that's a long time. Yeah, see, I quit. I, I I said at the end of my second my second week, I was like, hey, I'm not gonna be able to do this. It's just it's too much, and you're too much. And then she started getting into like this, like, listen, I'm trying to help you. In uh-uh. four years, you could be a driver making eighty thousand dollars a year, and in four or five years, you can go back to college and you could do all this type of stuff. I'm trying to help you. She like got into this like motherly role, and I was like, I don't need that from you. I have a mom, and uh, <laughs> I'm sick of living with her. And this is not the uh, the place that I'm gonna make enough money to move out of my mom's house and so uh i'm gonna i'm gonna leave here like i'm gonna cut my losses i'm gonna you know be on this bus for a little while longer the grind will work out for me and because i I couldn't do it i was like i'm not cut out for this and then i tried to ask if i could do the unload because the unloading was so much different unloading you just go on the truck and just throw stuff on the conveyor belts to get sorted right you just unload one whole truck yeah and not like bringing this to that truck and this over to this truck nope you're just taking stuff off and going brown belt yellow belt red belt and the and the colors of the belts if you ever look at your ups box Mm -hmm. when you look at that little white piece of paper that everybody doesn't pay attention to except for people who've worked at ups and i promise i will have three or four ups boxes arriving here tomorrow so i will check this yeah there will be a little tiny paper and it'll have like a seven digit number on like three dash four numbers and then it'll say like blue. It'll have a color on it that, and that'll be the belt that it like uh, went on to get on whatever truck, whichever truck is going to your uh, destination. So y'all probably got the same UPS driver every day too. We do. So yeah, we do. Yeah. So yeah. and yeah. I I tip him more than I tip the mailman. Oh, you at Christmas you tip? time? I tip oh, at Christmas time. At Christmas time. How do you do? Do you like leave the money in your mailbox? No, I I like I run out. I'm like hey, we hey, chase him down. <laughs> okay. Chase him. It's been a year. Because like I'm gonna have to, back in the I'm day, yeah. Back in the day, like historically, you always tip the mailman, right? You give the mailman a Christmas gift. You I give did not himself. know that. And, and the UPS guy and FedEx guy and whatever never got, as far as I know, anything. But I always tip my garbage men and and my mailman. And when like once we started ordering from Amazon, I realized like no, this dude's working a lot harder for me all year long. After we get done here, I'm gonna have to ask you the amounts that you tip because I don't even know. That's some adulting that I don't even know about. I didn't know you had to tip those people. I'm not tipping the FedEx man shit because they don't follow the directions. No, they do not. It says on your door, please leave at back gate. And they're like, Mm -hmm. not here. I had my mailman straight up tell me I'm not doing this. Oh my God. Our mailman also said straight up, I'm not wearing a mask during all of COVID. And I was like, oh. all of it. All not, of just all not just now. <laughs> That's funny. I, yeah. My, my FedEx, I will literally be sitting in here 
and get a notification. I have the I bought the I got the app. Mm-hmm. I paid the fee. I said, here is the code to my apartment. Here is how you get to my apartment. Leave it at the door. Kick the door. Knock on the door. Make some type of noise. Yeah. I will literally be sitting here like at this computer and get a notification. We're sorry. Your package couldn't be delivered. We couldn't get access to the building. No. Or we're sorry. Your, your pa- nobody was home. No. We knocked on your door. Nobody was home. I said, no, you didn't. So I like have had to call them. And they're they're outsourced. Their phone uh-huh. center is outsourced. And so I've had to call them and be like, hey, I needed that for work. I'm going to get fired. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's usually not that serious. It's usually like a pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. But I like am so FedEx does not get a tip at wintertime. And they I'll tip the UPS guy. I've never had an experience with FedEx where they ever found it urgent to assist or like urgent to find the driver and what happened to it. Like they just they're like, yeah, well, when he gets back. We'll we'll check in with them, and I'm like, don't you have cell phones or a walkie-talkie or a CB? Can you just like, what's... yeah, they got CB communicators in there. <laughs> I don't know. It's Smokey and the Bandit delivering your mail. One nine. You know, you know though that there is in-car communication. It's like it has to be like Uber, and I don't know that that's true. I know that if I were to take that job. As a FedEx delivery man, the one reason I would do it was to not have to deal with people. Well, whatever. That in the money. Yeah. I get it. I get why they'd be like, man, I'm not going to walk up these stairs. I'm going to go to the next house because I'm trying to get off work at a decent hour. Because mm-hmm. they, they they come in around, like, so you work from 1 a.m. to 9 a.m. Because that's usually when they're walking in with their coffee and Danish being like, okay. And then they, like, do a check. Like, got everything on here. And they kind of, like, the guys that I had were, like, saw that I was new. And so they kind of helped me out. Like, Let me grab a couple for and like because they've like they're refreshed from a good night's sleep mm-hmm. and then they they leave by 9 30 10 o'clock in the morning that's when they start doing their rounds and a good day for them is them getting back to the station by like 7 p.m so they don't want to be like out there super long because yeah. sometimes it goes later especially during the holidays yeah it's well later. you were you said you were there starting thanksgiving so you like yep. caught the the black friday shipping rush yes yes i caught yeah. the rush Ugh. Well, and I'm that was before Amazon quit. was popping, popping like that. So when you quit, was it like a big production where you like in the middle of it and you're just like, you know what, out. And you were like, mic drop, bye lady. No, I finished my last Friday shift before I got paid. And I called and I said, hey, thank you guys for the opportunity. Uh, I left a message. Uh, hey, thank you guys for the opportunity. I'm not coming back on Monday. Uh, I'm sorry, but I'm not coming back. Thank you so much. And then the guy called me back and was like, "You're blowing a big opportunity, man. Like you can make a lot of money here." And it, like, come, it kind of came at you with it again. They yeah. really wanted you. Yeah. And then so he calls, and then the other the, the lady calls who was mean to me. I was like, "Why are you quitting? What's going on?" <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm like, I saw her when I went. I had to turn in my badge because you can't keep that badge because it's very like they can't just like turn it off. Right. I'm like, just turn the badge off. But they're like, no, you have to bring it back. Mm-hmm. And so I brought it back and she was like, so you're quitting, huh? Couldn't handle it? I was like, no, I couldn't handle it. And it's mostly because of you. I literally <laughs> said that to her. And she's like, oh, I wasn't that hard on you. I was trying to whip you into shape because it only gets harder. And I see potential in you. And I'm like, yeah, my football coach said that too. And that's why I'm not in the NFL. <laughs> Here's the thing. Everyone who sees you in whatever job you're working is going to see potential in you because obviously you've got it going on, as is evidenced by your success. Well, I see. I appreciate that. It's, it's the face. I would see him and I would be like, I see potential in you. He's <laughs> got a nice you. face. 
Yeah. I mean, look, I, 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 I knew you and, and, and like saw potential in you, but I wasn't going to like ride you hard for it. <laughs> Jason, when I used to do the rap battles, Jason always gave me the hardest words. We didn't meet during the <laughs> rap battle? You must have. Yeah, I used to do it a lot. Mm-hmm. Those were fun days. So you were doing UPS, but you were working at UCL, UCLA Conference Services at the same time. So when you quit, mm-hmm. you still had your main gig going. Yes. Okay. And what yes. were you doing at UCLA? So that was basically, UCLA has a lot of, it's a huge campus. And so what Conference Services does is basically mm-hmm. like set up ballrooms and set up like dining. They ha- they'll have like weddings. They'll have you know, luncheons, they have yeah. like, like the governor came while we were there at the time, like, and you have to set up the rooms for that. So basically like putting out all the tables. So if you have like a banquet for 500 people and they want dinner tables, you have to like set all that out. We have to get this out. That would be like a regular day. Like we go in, we look at the board and we'd see what we have to do. And it was like, oh, today you have a, a banquet in Denev that, but that room is already full of classroom stuff. So, like, they just had a big lecture hall in there. So you have to take out all the lecture uh, tables and chairs, and then you have to turn the room into a nice banquet. And then catering comes in, they set the tables and glasses and things like that. So at this point, how long had you been in L.A. when you landed that gig? Oh, I grew up here. Oh, you did? You moved here when you were, like, really young, right? Yeah, when I was was nine years old. Eight or nine years old, I moved to L.A. All right, Grandma stayed behind. She was like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whole family stayed behind. <laughs> My mom came out here. My mom's an actress. So she came out here to pursue the whole thing. And then uh Your mom's an actress yeah. out here? She is, yeah. Why isn't she on the show with him right now? Because we don't live together anymore. I'm was, 32 now. That was the main reason he took the UPS job. <laughs> but I'm saying, yeah. like, we could have like three lines. Okay, anyways, <laughs> we'll have to talk to Miss Tart later. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, we, we I was working there, and I worked there for quite a while. I worked there for like four years. That's a I good liked gig. that place. It was a good gig. It was mostly popping in the summertime when acting stuff ain't really. Yeah. Back, well, back then, it wasn't really popping back like then. that because, right. you know, we still had seasons back then. So hiatus was in the summertime. So I wasn't worried about missing auditions and things like that. So I would do the day the day uh, shift and be at Second City every night. Second City or I.O. every night. Just Did they... I know a lot of time when you work at a university, you can get like classes and things like that. Was that was that part of it at all, or interesting, or not for the the UCLA? But I think I could have took class at UCLA Extension for yeah. like a discount. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but not at the, like the real UCLA. So when did you leave that gig? You said you left that lasted two years. Four, four years. Dang. Uh, I left there in in September of 2013 because that's when I got hired to do this improv job overseas i was leaving for Mm -hmm. awesome so that took you out for and for everyone who's listening boom chicago is a like legit improv theater in amsterdam um and what kind of contract is that usually a year-long contract a year-long contract yeah Yeah. that's a big one yeah Yeah. okay so you do boom chicago Mm -hmm. you come back or did you, you just did one year just did one year. Couldn't okay. take it. You no. come back, and is that when you're a bouncer at Barney's Beanery? That's when I get the job at Barney's, yeah. Yes, I knew it. Wait, wait, wait. Which, which Barney's Beanery? Which one? Uh, well, my main one was Burbank, but okay. on, slow nights, on slow nights at Burbank, I'd have to go work at Pasadena, which was always, it was like a three-level la- three one, so it would always be really busy in there. Mm-hmm. And, and it I was, smelled in the Pasadena one. That one smelled. Yes. 
it smells. And I would also go work at the West Hollywood one, like every now and then if they needed somebody. They because the other bouncers, if they couldn't do it, they would they could call around to any of the security and be like, "Hey, can you take my shift?" But and so I was over now. there sometimes. Uh, I did have a car. So uh, Jason and I's friend Dwayne Colbert uh, had just got just on the show. Just on the show. Okay, great. Yes, he had when I first got back, like in the first two weeks. So I had a bad time in Amsterdam. And so when I got back, I had like an extra like layer of like grind and drive. And I'm like, I'm nothing stopping me because I never want to do anything. Let's talk. About I don't want to get into it too much, but okay. I'll give you a little bit. Okay. So the, the city is the city is hard to live mm-hmm. in. Number one. And number two, I didn't have the greatest time with my coworkers. Yeah. That happens. And so, yeah. And so, like you know, they, they, they had different goals in life and. Some of them, you know, were a little bit older and that affects you when you're in a foreign place because they were all Americans, most of them. There were some people who like lived over there for other reasons. And, you know, it was just a lot going on. I wasn't getting paid enough to do anything. I was having real bad teeth problems. Uh, I I didn't love Amsterdam. The charm of it wears off after a vacation amount of time. Yeah. You know what I mean? I I, I was there once with a with a traveling companion who who lost his passport after the third day. And so, yeah, I had that very experience of like right at that three day mark. I was like, we should be moving on, but we're stuck here for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what happened? Did he get his? Did he like go to the embassy or something? Yeah, I went to the the con. Yeah, embassy consulate, whatever it is. The consulate. It took. It took. It took we were there for a solid two weeks. Ugh. Oh man. Yeah. yeah was, he was there for a solid year. Uh, well, I was there yes. for a solid year. And everything. Yeah. I, I listen. Everyone I know not personally, but know of, or some personally who did boom Chicago in Amsterdam is older. It is an older crew of people of, of improvisers. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Because when, when it was in its heyday, Mm -hmm. all those people were young. Yeah. And so by the time I got there, they had gone through some financial problems. They were kind of resting on their laurels a little bit, kind of using the names of the people who had gone there and then eventually went on to do things when they got back home. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. Seth Myers is and the Jordan Peels and Colton Dunn's and, you know, Nicole Parker's and people like that. So that's what makes it. That's what make you like, Oh man, I'm audition for this thing. And then mm-hmm. you get over there and you're like this. Yeah, I'm not really. Yeah. It's Anybody just, else. it's just another improv yeah. theater. And <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. like across the ocean and, Exactly. So I'm away from home. I'm I'm broke, and I'm just like I could be broke in L.A. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. have, and be around my friends and loved ones. I don't want to be out here with these people. And how, so, how many shows yeah, do you do a week? Uh, some week it, it varies because they were having like it wasn't as popular. If they didn't have like a bunch of tourists coming in that week, the summertime was always pretty slow. When I was like so I was there from yeah September to September, and. The summertime was pretty slow because I guess tourist season in, in Amsterdam in the summer is weird or something. It was all, it, it varied. Like some weeks we look at the schedule and we'd have like five shows on and four of those shows would be like sold out. And then other weeks it'd be like, we only had enough bookings for two shows this week. Okay. And both of those shows would be like 20 people. And did so you ever we, do a second city ship like this guy? I got hired on the ship at the same exact time as I got hired for boom. And everybody was like, go to boom. And I could have, if I had done a ship, I would have been home four months sooner mm-hmm. with money in my pocket yeah. and not a year later and broke. <laughs> <laughs> but you know so what? You but here's the big yeah. thing though. Big thing. You, what you talked about when you got back from that job, you had, you had drive, you know? Yes. And when I got say. back from that cruise ship, I was just a fat, lazy, <laughs> suntanned 
partial alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I I regretted it, but I like I'm I guess I have to be grateful for the experience. Like we all have to be grateful. Yeah, uh, getting hit by that car taught me not to jaywalk. Oh, you know, <laughs> like, like stuff like that. You know, like, it, like life life lessons. No, I didn't get hit by a car. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I'm making a comparison of like you know mm-hmm. a bad experiences teach you how to change your life in a certain way. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. But so when I got back, I uh was so graciously gifted a car from Dwayne Colbert. Oh. Uh, he had just gotten into an accident where he was T-boned and so the right side of the car was crashed in and the insurance companies decided that it was 51% his fault, 49% the other person's fault. The other person was trying to cross the street when they shouldn't have been, and they hit Dwayne. And so he was like, well, we're about to get a new car. You can have this one. It's beat up, but you can have it. And I was like, I will take it. Nice. So I, I nicknamed it the Gemini because it had two faces. <laughs> and yes. uh, you could only get in from the driver's side. So whenever I gave people rides, I was like, you got to get in on that side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the back window was like, uh, cr- it was crushed in so bad that the top of it was open mm-hmm. and for some reason that was a very rainy year in Los Angeles oh, God. Right? so I like put tape on it it was embarrassing as hell I got caught driving by a high school one day at like 3 o'clock and those kids roasted the dog shit out of me <laughs> and so, I imagine so oh yeah they roasted so. me like a pig and on the so, other hand yeah. hey, you could like pull up next to that high school and just start yelling come on dad's here yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking it would just be kids. creepier. He's just like hanging out. That's what hanging out by the, hey. Yeah. hey, I'm your Uber. Hey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, I was, and I was working at Barney's, and I needed that. Like, I my friend Will, uh, he was the a manager at Barney's, and he got me a gig there working the door, and as a food runner. Nice. And so I was doing both of those things. So. And you and never went to the broke out? Santa huh? Monica, Barney's? Never did the Santa Monica one. Never had to work over in the Santa Monica. I've been there, but never had to work over there. Yeah, I've mostly been to the West Hollywood one. Me God, too. that Pasadena one smelled so bad. I was like, what used to... That was to, the roughest one. That, what used to be in here? I don't here? think I've ever been to that one. Oh. I started my first bachelor party at the West Hollywood one, though. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> every, every weekend I worked at Pasadena, it was a fight. I, I was, I was chokeholding somebody out the door. Just a bunch of collegiate white boys fighting all the time. But let's talk about for a second these chokeholds. What kind? What what kind? (laughs) What kind of training you got? Uh, No training. Just I'm just strong. You are. So (laughs) I I like it. If if we had an issue, it it was the the full Nelson, whereas (laughs) it's behind the, you know, behind the neck, and Mm -hmm. I'm dragging them out like that, Mm -hmm. and or I just if I just got to grab them like. Girls, I would just pick them up at their waist and just take them out. And then guys, I just had to like, you know, kind of do this thing where I'm in the in the front and in the back where I'm dragging them like out the door. And uh, yeah, drunk people don't want to be kicked out of bars. Nope. Got a lot of death threats. You know, I'll be back. Well, especially in Pasadena be... where they feel yeah. very entitled. There's an yeah. entitled yeah. sense to the young people at Barney's in Pasadena. Yeah. And in, 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 uh, Burbank and Glendale area, they I will get a lot of threats on. They they're gonna come back and 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 shoot up the place and oh stuff. Oh my and god! So, yeah, because I had to kick them out. Yeah. Were you paid well? Uh, no, but <laughs> you know, because uh, I wasn't like a actual security guard. I was technically a host. Right. Yeah. Because you were running food, also. Yeah. 
Dude. Dude. I'd like to know just a little more about the physical stuff. Like, were any yep. of these any of these tussles get get out of hand? Well, yeah. I'll tell you the worst one. I think I'm sure I can talk about this now because it wasn't like I had to like testify in court. I did have to testify in court about this one. But yeah. one night there was a, a really drunk. So there was this group of guys who would come in every Tuesday for Taco Tuesday, and uh, and karaoke, and they were like a softball team. And I think a couple of them were cops. And uh, one day. They brought another guy in. He was drunk from the beginning. And I'm like, oh, like we're not supposed to let drunk people in. Mm -hmm. But these guys were regulars. And so I was like, oh, uh, hey, hey, what's up, fellas? Your boy, is he cool? And they were like, oh, yeah, man, he's cool. He's just, you know, we had a couple beers at the game. They were softball, a softball team. And so, all right, well, you know, keep an eye on him. And so I'm running food. And then this guy is just kind of like bouncing around at people's tables, kind of annoying them. Um, manager gets a complaint. So they tell me, hey, this guy's doing this, but he's with the he's with those guys. So, like, you know, let's just like tell that guy. I'm like, well, you go tell him. You're the manager. Yeah. Like, why do I have to tell him? <laughs> I'm I'm running food tonight. My shift says food runner tonight. And so uh, as the night goes on, a woman comes in and they're talking and they're getting a little bit loud with each other. And I, I'm keeping an eye on it, but I'm doing another job. Next thing I know, like she slaps him and then he starts choking her. Oh. And so I have to like go over there and go, hey, you're done here. Take him outside. Tell the manager. And then uh we leave him outside. She follows and she's like, wait, don't do that. Don't do that. Blah, blah, blah. They're both drunk. Uh, we walk back in. We say, you guys are done. I told the regulars, I was like, hey man, he had to go. And they were like, it's cool, bro. It's cool. Like we saw he was tripping. Like, uh, then I get a yell. They're fighting outside. Um. Her parents had pulled up and he was and they were fighting. Uh, her father and him were fighting. Oh, and Jesus. then so I go out there and we break that up. They jump in the van and, and pull off. He's still there. We're calling the cops. Uh, and then we're just like standing there making sure he doesn't like, you know, go back in the bar or anything like that. And he's giving me a lecture on police relations between black people and police. Oh. And why why we uh, should be more grateful for the police and why all of us are trying to kill the police <laughs> and we hate the police so much as black people when they're actually protecting us. Was this this year? We, <laughs> I'm this kidding. was 20, 2015. Oh my God. Yeah. And so he's giving me this long lecture about police relations, like we're there to protect you and you hate us, you hate us and because we say, because I say the N word and he's saying the word. I'm being modest. Uh, and he's like pointing me in my chair. And I'm just like, man, like this dude is really working my nerves. And this guy's badged so, up? Is this, is this, he's he, not badged up. He's got the softball uniform on. Wow. I didn't know he was a cop until the cops came and said that was a cop. Wow. I didn't know he was a cop. And so I'm like, well, shit, I can't come to Glendale no more. Wow. Because he was, he was Glendale PD and he's going to shoot me if he pulls me over. Because he's going to lose his job. He's about to lose his job. And because he was publicly intoxicated and also when the cops came he was resisting like crazy of he was not not complying as they tell us to do <laughs> not in not in the least oh my and god yeah it was a rough night Where it was a rough night was this in pasadena he's a no, this is at, this this at burbank, is it this burbank. burbank. he was glendale pd yeah oh my god mm. did you quit no well I, I quit later i wasn't i i, I worked at barney's from 2014 to 2016 so two and a half years 
And that's when I got hired on Mad TV. On there the we reboot. go. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you were like, I'm out. Thank you. And good yeah, well, I, kept, I kept my shift for a while because Mad TV was a, a limited run. Mm-hmm. But I was never available on the schedule. So when the schedule would come out, it would be time to put in your availability. I X'd every night because on top of doing uh, Mad TV, we were also doing a show at Second City called Afros and Ass Whoopings, yep. which is about police brutality, ironically. And so uh, we, I couldn't work. Dwayne wrote and directed Yeah, Dwayne right? wrote it. Yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't work on Friday nights because of that. Yeah. And I was like, I want my Saturday night. Yeah. Like, because I've been working all week at Mad TV. I want my Saturday night. So I'll put on schedule. I'll work Sunday. And, uh, but I would also be like, I'm not trying to work. And so the manager called him was like, hey, man, if you can't work, like, we just kind of, we need to hire somebody and you're taking a room on the schedule. I was like, all right, I guess we can mutually agree to end this relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we've, uh, we've run our course. We've run our course. We had yeah, a good we've run. We've run our course. Nice. It's been great. Yeah, I saluted him. It's not you. It's it's me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really quick. You did get your paycheck from UPS, though, right? Yeah, I got that one paycheck. Okay, and it good. wasn't great. No, but <laughs> I was going to go after it for you if they're yeah. still out there or something. Jamie's a paycheck bounty hunter. I'm all like, I, I, you have money out there. You are owed. So you did were... You, oh, go oh, ahead. sorry. No, I was saying, remember a couple years ago where everybody was like put typing in their name and social security number on his website and they were telling you if you had money, like unclaimed money from the state and stuff like that? You yeah. mean the website that collects social security numbers? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we all got defrauded. Uh, yeah, I didn't have any money left. Uh, <laughs> whatever money I had, that website then got. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you went... To Mad TV, you're out at Barney's Beanery. What trajectory happens from there? Uh, from there, I don't have to go back to a regular job. Thank the Lord. Yes. Uh, I was able to support myself solely on entertainment stuff from that point on. So Mad TV uh, treated me nicely. And after I left Mad TV, a couple weeks went by and I worked on a show called Brockmire. Mm-hmm. And uh, which with Hank Azaria, and that was great for a couple weeks. And then from there, I went on to work on a couple little small gigs that were like two, three weeks. Yeah, I never even knew writers' rooms could be that small, but I just kind of kept the writers' room thing going because I was like got addicted to the regular check as opposed to trying to audition and book a thing here and trying to audition and book a thing here. And so I was, but I was still doing that too. So every now and then I would like to, like I did the Lethal Weapon pilot as like as a cop and and. Like I would do little acting stuff and also, you know, Funny or Die would also hire me to do a bunch of stuff. And so I was always kind of just trying to get in where I fit in and just kind of saying yes to every job that came my way. And then I got uh, to date my biggest staffing job, which is on this show called Ghosted, which is my first network staffing gig. And that only lasted for one season, but that was a, a good 20, 25 week gig. That's awesome. And so I was able to, you know, support myself through that. And then after that, it was a, a little bit of a, 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 a drought. I was doing, I was keeping it afloat, you know, spending, living off the savings and doing little, you know, other little jobs here and there. And then I got on Brooklyn Nice. and that was a, a like a 30 week job. I want to know like about about your show that's coming up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So for a year, I just acted and I did a, a Comedy Central pilot that didn't go with Rob Hubel. Mm-hmm. That was really fun. And then 
uh, after that, uh, I got on Keenan a year yeah. later. But before that, my buddy had sold the show to NBC, and it was based on our our group and us hanging out at the wine bar Covell, which is in East Hollywood. And we hang out there a lot, and it's a we're an interesting group to be there because we're a bunch of regular ass black dudes who hang out at a at a wine bar, and so we're not really the demographic. But everybody who works there is super cool, and and we would get there and talk about our feelings and dating and all that type of stuff. And my friend was like, "This is the show," and so he wrote it out. My friend Phil Jackson, he was also a writer on Brooklyn, and uh, he pitched it, and they bought it, and so we got to do a pilot. And but COVID hit. And so <sighs> I started at Keenan and we had negotiated in my contract that I was gonna have to leave Keenan and shoot the pilot and everything. And we were just about to we were three weeks out from shooting the pilot and COVID hit. And so the Keenan room had to go virtual. We was on Zoom every day. So this was my office. And uh we finished that room. And I worked on another show that was based on the pandemic called Connecting within that time. And the whole show was shot on Zoom and, you know, shot from the actors' houses, their actual homes. And so everything had to be done super COVID safe because that was at like the height of it and nobody knew what was going on. So, but everybody who was hired, like they had actors had to do their own hair, their own makeup. They, they got it. They got dropped off a, a kit of lights and stuff that they wanted. To, they needed to like decorate their houses and stuff. I did a bit part in that too. And they had to like drop off stuff. So I had to hang up pictures and stuff that they made me give back. I was like, can I keep this? I've touched it. It's COVID time. <laughs> yeah. Like, nah, You're nah, just going to burn that. it anyway. Yeah. You don't, you don't need this. Let me keep this. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So that was uh, really cool to do that job. And while we were waiting on to see what was going to happen. And then we got official word that we were able to shoot the pilot in October. And so we shot the pilot and we worked, it took about six days with all the COVID protocols and stuff like that. And uh, right after that, Keenan also, like that's when NBC had gotten their like protocol list out. So right after that, Keenan had got the green light to start shooting the first season. Is that shot and out here? Is Keenan shot in LA? Yeah, it's those, shot in LA. Those we guys fly back and forth every week. That's every crazy. Week. Every week. Keenan, Chris, and uh, Brian Tucker, who's also a writer on SNL. And they were flying back every week. Hardest working men in show business. Like, And Keenan, and, and never complained about it. Like, never. And also, it was great because we knew Friday night was going to be early. <laughs> right. So because Lauren was like, I need them back for yep. rehearsals. Well, we're, we're, uh, the show is, <laughs> is really coming together. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and he he's a, you know, the big dog on Keenan's show. So mm -hmm. if, if he said, like, I need them on their plane by 6 p.m. Pacific on Friday night, yep. that means we wrapped. Like, <laughs> so uh, that was cool. And I was able to be the uh, the ultimate on set guy. Like, usually you only go on set for your episode. Right. But because they wanted to keep the number of people and the number of people coming in and out every week small, I got to be the onset guy every week. Wow. So that gave me a huge boost in my mental health because I was very tired of being in the house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it gave me a reason to, you know, wake up in the morning and get dressed and shave and cut my hair and stuff and like get to go to work. I was I'm super, super grateful for that experience. And it was great. It, I mean, we was masked and shielded up the whole time. And those are annoying things to wear. But. It's better than being in the house all day. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. I was very thankful for that. 
and then we just wrapped that up uh, last month, uh, two months ago now. And uh, the pilot got officially picked up, and so we'll start shooting that in August. Amazing! Yay, that is awesome. And is Keenan doing season two? Keenan is doing season two. Yes. So will you be Kenan there for Kenan. season two also? Uh, that is up in the air at this current moment. I mean, you're picked up on the other show. I don't. Well, if you shoot over the summer, it could work. Wait, are you guys shooting in August? You said. Uh, we're shooting. Yeah, we're shooting my show in August. I don't know when so Keenan is coming back. They haven't. They haven't hit us up yet. Uh -huh. gave us an official start date. Uh, I would love to go back, but timing may not work out. Mm -hmm. But I really loved working there. That's fantastic. That's the beauty of Hollywood when you when you know you got to turn down good jobs because you've got the great job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm very I'm very blessed and very grateful and very thankful and uh, super happy to be able to do all this stuff, especially mm -hmm. during this time right now. And are you writing parts for your mom? Yeah, I write actually. Uh, so I'm on a sketch group called White Women, uh, yeah. sketch and improv group that we formed when I went over to UCB after uh, I was done at Second City, and we uh, write shows and we, you know, we sold the show to FX, but it didn't go, and we still got some other stuff in the works, and I'm always including my mom and stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. So, so you are front and center in front of the camera now, behind the camera, but also in front of the camera, but. Before all that, you were not front and not center. You were in the background. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've done background acting. I think you've done some, some – have you done some background, Jamie? I don't like to talk about those No one days. does. No one does. <laughs> but, Carl, we're going to make you. Yeah. What are some of the things you've done background on? Oh, man, I was background on everything. So when I first moved out here, I started doing background when I was a kid. Yeah? Oh, man. And doing nine years old? A, yeah, nine, ten years. I was in the pilot of Six Feet Under. If y'all go on HBO Max and watch that pilot. I've seen it many see times. At, yes. Yeah, at the very end, he's running, and he sees his dad on a bus. Uh -huh. And his dad's, you know, has died. Spoiler alert if you haven't watched the show in 20 years. and uh, <laughs> You're only spoiling uh, the pilot. Yeah. <laughs> he sees his dad on this bus. And he like stops and like stares at the bus, like like because it's like an official, like his dad is driving by and is playing something. If you ever change your mind, <laughs> and then these people are like walking by in slow motion, like kind of staring at this dude, like what are you doing? And I walk by with uh, my television mom, and I like look at him, and then he like we like make contact, and it cuts back to me. I like I get a second look, and it's like the last image of the pilot is my face as a eleven year old. So, so if you want to go back and watch that? You can't. So that's that's featured extra. And when you're a kid yeah. acting, don't you get um, tutoring and stuff on set? Which yes. is cool. Yeah, you're like, yeah, we had school. So I'll tell you exactly. When I was a kid and I was doing background, it was so much fun. Yeah. But I didn't understand. I wanted to be at school because the kids that I was doing background with were like these actor kids, and like as a kid when you do background, it's like like Jason just said, like it's it's more featured and they kind of really cast you, so it's not as like background is calling central cast and they're like we want right. this kid to do it and it was fun it was like there was like a status to it at that yeah. point and but i didn't like the kids who were there they were like oddly mature and they were talking about their agents and managers and sag vouchers and stuff and i'm just like yeah like i like power rangers and so yeah. like and i'm just like this little like country kid that's just moved out here and i was like mom i just want to go to school like i'm not really and she was like yeah i'm not gonna be a stage mom so Mm -hmm. uh, we'll just let you stop. You can, you're allowed to stop. And I was like, if something comes along that we can't turn down, of course I'm down to do it. 
but I didn't, I did I stopped as a kid. And then I went to college for a year. I played basketball in college for a year and uh, that didn't work out. So I came back home and I needed a job and it was hard to find a job at that point. And I was like, I used to do like background, like extra work. And I was like, can I do that again? Like that was easy and like stuff is shooting. Like, can I go do that? And my mom was like, yeah, like you got to go up to central casting and do all that stuff. It's much different as an adult. It's terrible as an adult. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't like to talk about it. As yeah. It's humiliating. Well, it's humiliating. But, yeah. But there are people that do it professionally. Sure. And they yeah. have fought for their rights and they take great pride in it. And the re- yeah. then there's the rest of us that are just like. The non-unions. Oh. I was not SAG at that time. SAG background got treated pretty well on mm-hmm. SAG. Yeah. I was not getting treated well. I was non-union background. Uh, I still see people on when I'm on set now. I'll see people. I just did an episode of uh, Miracle Workers, and like three of my homies that I was doing background with were still doing it. And I went dapped them up, ate lunch, you know, with kind of with them because it's COVID. So uh, like I was two tables right. away, but yeah, like we got to chat for a little bit. And you know, like I, it's always good to see them on set and stuff like that. And like they're like proud of me, like oh. oh man you're, you're really doing it and i'm like yeah man this is great it's like still doing background it's yeah. like the show it's like extras yeah yeah it's you're, like Rick, you're ricky gervais yeah <laughs> yeah man it's crazy uh and so when i got back i started doing it i got a i got a calling service because it central casting was proving like futile yeah i couldn't get through the line i was never yeah. getting casted unless it was like a cattle call of 600 black people that was the only time i was ever getting actual gigs and so I was just like, I'm gonna just get, I'm gonna just pay the money every month. It was, it's like one check less a month to pay the, the calling service. So I signed up with the calling service, and I, at the time I still looked young enough, and she was doing like Sandy, uh, Sandy Elise casting was the, the job, well, all the like younger shows. So like I was on Greek for like three seasons, and as soon as Greek ended, I went right over to Glee and worked on the first three seasons of Glee. And as I'm watching these people, I'm like, and I grew up in this. I could do this. And I was already kind of getting bit by this, like, comedy bug. Like, I was thinking about doing stand-up. and had, like I told you, I had hit a couple of those open mics and stuff like that. And I was like, man, I want to, I want to, like, try to get into this. And then on Greek, I was there every day, and they liked me. And they actually bumped me up and gave me a couple lines one day. And that got cut out of the show but it was cool they were like hey man interact with him like if he interacts with you because one of the main actors who i'm like cool with now do paul uh he was like interacting with me and i would respond i was like oh like i didn't like i i was like i can't talk so i'm like i know people can't see me but i was just like like just kind of shaking my head yeah and it was unrealistic so the director was like you can say something back to him it's okay and basically because they were saying like we're gonna cut it yeah. But like, so like you can say something back to him. And so I, every take I would say something different to him and they were like cracking up. Everybody was cracking up about it. And well, of course I'm getting in my head at this point like, "Oh, yeah, you see, I can do this shit." Uh-huh. And uh, and they were like, "Do you do like you do like improv stuff?" And I was like, "Nah, what's that?" I didn't even know what it was. And that's when I learned about the Second City. And that's when I started taking classes. Yeah. That's when you I found your it. calling. Kind of in a way, because I fell in love with it immediately. Yeah. This is like a beautiful story, you know, like you went away, you came back, it didn't work out because like the universe just knew you were supposed to be here and you did everything you were supposed to do 
and it worked. You know, I mean, it just, it worked. You brought your talent and you were prepared and it worked. And it, I don't know. That's like, it's fucking badass. I mean, how many people do we talk to? And it just, that's not the case. And, you know, they're still working their side hustle while being on everything, but they're so afraid because they've had, you know, so many times where it hasn't worked out, where there's been yeah. spans of years where, you know, it just, there was nothing, right? Um, Which I think is great too. I mean, it's all beautiful, but that is like, you're fucking, the, it's landing. Each thing hits and it lands and I, I couldn't be more excited for you. It's really I appreciate great. That. I'm really, truly grateful. And I'm, I've, I've grinded it out to like know all the aspects of it. I wasn't handed anything and, I am so grateful and thankful for my friends who I've met over the years and who have helped me and supported me. Like Dwayne literally gave me a car. I know. He's such a good person. Like I'm I'm forever indebted because of that. You know, like it I well, am what's so the blue thankful. Book? Well, <laughs> do you still have the car? I don't have the car. Uh my mom's boyfriend totaled it and I was very upset with him because I already second. didn't like him. He totaled the car that was already like you finished the totaled, job. Finished the he job. finished the job. He finished the job. That car is in in Ford Heaven. Mm. Well, I think it takes community is the biggest thing. Like when you have a tight community, a strong community, and you can only build that if you're giving as much as you're wanting to take, right? From your community, mm -hmm. like you have to put in the time, you have to put in the work. And it's here, you know, like even doing this show, like everybody we know and love comes to do the show because that's our community, you know, like everybody's still here. And that's, I don't know. I just feel like it's special. I'm going to bring the music up right onto this speech. It's a bad speech. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for this. I wasn't prepared to be so moved by Carl. Well, oh my gosh. That's where you fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> they call me the mover. <laughs> I feel so except at UPS. Just, yeah, except <laughs> UPS. I wasn't moving. I was I was the slow mover at UPS. I'm just so happy. I'm just so happy to like see it work this way, you know? Like yeah. because it's so often It's deserved. It's deserved. And I like this story because I want people to know like boom. Do you want to use the word meritocracy? He he yes. But he is he is in the business. Uh <laughs> How, wait, how do I want to say it though? Um, I would consider we've got time. I would consider Carl the definition of meritocracy because he he actually put in the work. It wasn't you know he wasn't just handed the family job and like opened the set. Like this is all this is what meritocracy. He is in a meritocracy. It, it, you've got position. the goods and you've done the work and you've you've done the time. Yeah, put the time in. Put the yeah. time in. Was locked yeah. up was locked up for a year in Amsterdam. <laughs> this was awesome. It was so nice to formally meet you again or for the first time, because I've guess yes, I would have seen you on stage at Improvised Rap Battle. But I was in the booth and I was sitting down and I was just listening to make sure I didn't screw up anybody's beats. Um I so remember you now. <laughs> sitting down in the booth. I remember you now. Yeah. Hiding. Just making sure I didn't fuck it up. DJ high me up in the booth. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's so nice. Thank you so much for being on the show. And thank Thanks you for having me, y'all. Yeah, this has been spectacular, man. Um, I'm so happy for everything that's going going great for you. It's really I like you. Know, I appreciate I, it, man. From, I, really do. I, I like when I was writing the intro and I was like uh, that line about creeping through, creeping up through all your favorite shows. Like, that's literally it. I'm like, oh, look, it's Carl. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh my, that's fancy your name. I'm like, Carl Turns. But he really does. We're sitting on the couch and he really does. I'm I get, always like I get so excited when I see see you working and 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 yeah. Hearing hearing about your new show. I mean It's just it's great. Yeah. It, it has been this has been fantastic. Thank you, man. Great catching up with you. Thank you so much. So good to see both of you. Nice to meet you. So good to see you. Good I love to you see both. You. <laughs> love you, man. Thank you. Feels good to be back, Bieber. Sure does, Stickle. Let's keep the ball rolling, shall we? Oh, we shall, with next week's amazing guests. Please join us as we welcome the incredible mother-daughter team. Rose Chung and Genevieve Wong. Oh, yeah. You think I'm crazy?